Just a little warning before we begin that this series contains strong language and discussion of an adult nature, so may not be suitable for everybody. Welcome to Where Mama At in the Soul Bear Sessions series with me, Angela Smith. This series tells true life stories from extraordinary people who've thrived after enduring extreme trauma and life challenges. And they're speaking out and bearing their souls, often for the very first time, to share their stories and offer hope to other people who are going through difficult situations. The special guest today, who over the next few episodes is going to be telling his incredible life story, is Terence Holloway. In fact, his story is so dramatic and so filled with incredible twists and turns that there's actually a movie being made about it. It's a story about growing up on the run from a drug gang, becoming a rap star and working with the likes of Tupac and Exhibit, looking for his homeless mother on the dangerous streets of Los Angeles, and even building an alter ego to escape his real identity after being a three-time victim of sexual abuse. Here are a few clips of what's to come in this episode. Every day she started bringing shit in my house. And I'm talking about like stuff from trash cans. Like she's starting to redecorate my apartment with shit from the trash cans outside. She was fucking upset. Like she was like, she was up, she was screaming. She was upset that she was in that place. And she was like, you don't ever do no shit like that to your mom. It was just like, it was serious. My mom was homeless and she was in the streets. And I know Hollywood wasn't far. So that's the first bus stop. I mean, first train stop. So I'm like, yeah, I'm looking for my mom. Okay, so we're back again. We'd left your story at a real pivotal point, hadn't we? You were in the barber shop one day and you get a phone call. Tell me about that. Yeah, I was actually in the barber shop cutting hair. Um, it was full, we had a full barber shop, uh, maybe about five people that worked there. And then I had a lot of clients and um, I got a phone call. So I heard on the phone, it was, it sounded like my mom, but I couldn't really hear it too much. And she said, Terry. So once she said Terry, then I knew. And uh, so I walked outside, excused myself, walked outside. And she was explaining how she was in the hurricane. Which hurricane was this? She was in Hurricane Rita right after Katrina. So um, it happened right after each other. But right. she was in the, like kind of like the worst, worst places where it could happen. Right. So she was saying that um, water was filling her apartment. And um, the guy that she was with left her there. And I had no idea that she was even with anybody, so I didn't even know. So I asked her, did she have her windows boarded up? And was she going to evacuate? And she told me, I want you to have the right saying that she said. She told me, if it's God's will, let it be. So I'm like screaming like, mom, you need to get out of there. And then she said, no. So I said, where are you at right now? And she said that she was actually in the closet and um, water was filling up the closet. So I told her to get out of there again. And then she was like, no. I found out later that she dropped her phone inside the water, inside the, uh, inside the closet. So I had no connection with her after that. So I was just outside and the phone just went dead. So did you think that she died in the hurricane? No, I didn't think she died at that point. No. no. I didn't think she died. I didn't, I didn't 
you don't think the worst. Like, I didn't think the worst of my mother. So no, I didn't think no. that she died. No. Okay. So what was you... So you heard nothing after the phone had been dropped into the water? Yeah, I didn't hear anything. And how long was it until you did hear something? Um, it was probably like about nine months. So for whole, nine whole months, you had no idea whether your mother was really alive or gone? Yeah, but I didn't put that in... Like, I don't put things in the universe like that. Right, so okay. I wouldn't put that my mom just died yeah. in that hurricane. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I know she was going through troubled times, but it made me pay attention to more of what was happening out there. So I was, like, looking up things and watching all the new coverage. And, like, that consumed me mm-hmm. because I know a lot of people made it. it. It wasn't a lot of people that died. It was mm-hmm. a lot of people that lost stuff. Right. And that, that was yeah. in the water, contaminated. They was going to... Yeah. uh it was going to the stadium. They went to the Houston stadium. So I was yeah. thinking maybe she's at the stadium. Uh, maybe she's on the streets. Like, okay. I, that's what I was, my my brain was kind of going towards that. Right. So that for those nine months, well, no, when you eventually found out that she had survived and you heard that nine months later from your sister, were you angry with her that she didn't get back in touch with you and let you know that she was okay? No, I wasn't angry with her. No. We didn't have a relationship to where I can be mad. So I haven't talked to her in years, you know what I'm saying? So it wasn't like, at that point, me and my mom wasn't really close like that. We was close when I was little. But we didn't have a relationship in my teenage years, in my 20s. Right. Does that make you sad? No. 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 Did did you miss her in your life? Certain points I did. Certain times, yeah. I always miss my mama. Mm. Yeah, certain times, like... uh, I would say more of the troubling times because of how she taught me how to survive and certain kind of things. So some of the troubling times in my life, yeah, I miss my mom, for sure. Mm. What happened immediately after you got that phone call? You just carried on with your business? What What did you do? Yeah, um, my, my alone time, I would be looking at the news and searching YouTube and searching Google and trying to, you know, just trying to feed my brain with more of the aspects of where is she at and is she over there you know what i'm saying like i didn't really have any connections with people in texas so i couldn't call somebody like go check on my mom you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so um but outside of my alone time i tried to consume myself with things so i had a recording studio so i was recording a lot um i had artists that i was dealing with so i was working with the artists i was dealing with we had shows uh we was partying then i had a party house so i kind of consumed myself with um, like to party and just try to block it out, you know? Mm-hmm. A year or so ago, nine months goes by and then you get another phone call from your mother. Tell me about that. Yeah, so I got another phone call from my mom and uh, she was clearly drunk on the phone, slurring her words. And you can just tell, like, because I kept on saying, are you okay? And she was kept, she kept on saying my name. My nickname is Terry, so she kept on saying Terry. And she's like, I need to get the fuck out of here. I need to get the fuck out of here. And I'm like, where are you at? So then she started explaining to me. Mind you, she's in a drunken state, but she started explaining to me some of the things that happened to her while she was, uh, while she survived the hurricane. Okay, tell me about those things. Um, she's been raped multiple times. Uh, she's been beat up really bad. Um, she was living on the street. She didn't have anything. Uh, she was living from, they had shelters open. She didn't make it to the Houston Dome. So it was like, it was limited seats at the Houston Dome with limited bedding areas at the Houston Dome. 
And a lot of people from New Orleans went to the Houston Dome from Hurricane Katrina. So it was an overflow of the people that was in the hurricane in Houston. So it was a little bit more survival mode that she was in. Um, on the positive side, she said that she was helping people. Um, she was feeding people. She was trying to get uh, like some of the women, uh, some excuse me, some of the women into shelters and stuff like that. So she went through some real serious, serious times within that nine months. And it, that's what changed her life is what I see. Mm -hmm. Okay. And why was she calling you at that time? Uh, my mom called me because she was ready to come to California now. Wow. And yes. you've not seen her for many, many years at this point. Mm -hmm. How did you feel when Look, she told you? Look, I just got you... the chills when you said that too. <laughs> How did you feel when she said she wanted to come to California and you were going to be seeing her? It wasn't seeing her. No, my mom was very direct. I'm coming to California to come and live with my kids. I'm coming to live with you. Wow. No. Yeah, that's that's what made me feel like, oh, no. Mm -hmm. So it was more for me to say, oh, yeah, I'll see you when you get here. But you should probably live with Lisa, which is my sister. <laughs> you should probably live with her. Um, that's, she did it. She tried it. My brother was staying in Arizona. So she went to Arizona first. Um, they they can only get along with each other for about seven days. Mm -hmm. uh, she went from Arizona to um, Los Angeles. Uh, she stayed with my sister. Um, they can only get down for about seven to ten days. Yeah. Uh, my mom ended up uh, doing some bad things to my sister, and uh, my sister just couldn't take it. Um, so I was left to take care of everything for my brother, my sister, and my mother. And they knew I would do it. I was the last straw, but they knew I was going to do it anyway. So so what happened? Um, so I just said, fuck it, open arms. It's my mom. So okay, I was so like, come on. Tell me about the day that you finally met her. Um, I took her to the beach. Okay, but the first moment that you saw her, though, you picked her up at a bus station? Or how, how did where did you find mm -mm. her? Uh, my sister, uh, I went and picked her up from my sister's house. And I had my sister and my brother, and we took her to the beach. And I bought her a beer. I had some cigarettes, so she had her cigarettes. I made her sit in the front with me. My brother and my sister was in the back. And then I just started bumping old school music, and she was in the car, drunk, dancing. And she just looked so different, though. Like, she was skinny. She was frail. She, she didn't... I can tell she wasn't eating. I can tell she just wasn't living right. But um, I'm the one that pumps up the family. So I was just... It was like a day of let me pump her up. You know what I'm saying? So we went to the beach, and we went to the pier, and me and my mom walked off a little bit. And my brother and my sister was in back of us. And then, she, like, she just, she switches. So she had a switch when we got to the beach. And she just started cussing us out and telling us that, uh, um, basically, she was like, I, I brought you in this world. So you, whatever, like, whatever I need, you guys need to provide me with. So that's what the arguments started with. And it was just like, we was all, we tried to team up and be like, mom, we don't, we're here to help. But you know what I'm saying? But she wasn't having that. She was just like, fuck it. And how did that make you feel? Um, I was like, oh shit. Cause now she's going back home with me. <laughs> so like, like they, they had a week with her, you know what I'm saying? A little bit, a little bit over a week, but like a week with her. So, but I'm like, damn, she's coming home with me with this attitude now. So, um, got in the car, took my mom home, brother and my sister left, and now it's just me and her. Right. And <laughs> what happened? <laughs> uh, I went to the liquor store, 
got her something to drink because she was really adamant about getting something to drink. So she knows that I'm like, uh, my sister, my brother won't do it. But she knows she can tell me and she kind of gets to me. So it's just like, Mm -hmm. all right. So I messed up and showed her the liquor store. So I went to the liquor store, got her something to drink. We sat outside. We talked. I was trying to give her a couple rules, and she wasn't hearing it. So we went upstairs. I had a little area area for her. So I had a dinette set and all this other kind of furniture and pool table. So I got rid of all that. And I made her an area in my living room, like kind of close to my kitchen area. Made her a nice area. And then I put covers around. Like whatever I can do to kind of make her feel like she had her own space and I wasn't invading it. Yeah. Um, so right when I walked in the house, she just started um, tearing down the covers and shit. And she like, it was crazy right the first night. So we had an argument the first night and she stormed out. And she actually went to the liquor store that um, I went to to go get her something to drink. And she stole her two bottles of wine. And she was like, my son Romeo gonna pay for it and walked out the store. So I went to go look for her and I went to the store and the owner of the store, I know him. So he came out, he was like, Romeo, come here. He was like, Romeo, come here. I'm like, yeah. He was like, some lady came in here and stole liquor and said that um, you're gonna pay for it. So I'm like, ah, shit, that was my mom. Did you see which way she went? (laughs) (laughs) We'll be right back continuing the conversation with Terence after these quick messages from our sponsors. From the same company that brought you this series, there are three new podcasts that we strongly recommend. The first one is a true crime series called Framed for Murder, the case of Matthew Turner. It's a really harrowing and quite intriguing true crime series about a guy who's now 32 years old and he spent the last 14 years in prison for a crime that all the evidence suggests he did not commit. The series, available as a podcast or on video, follows his legal team as they reinvestigate the case and fight for his exoneration in real time. If you're a true crime fan, it's absolutely not to be missed. On a totally different note, we've got a podcast about online dating called Accidentally MILF Online Dating Adventures After 50 with Angel Bliss. The podcast has already won nine awards and if you listen to it you'll understand why. Oh my goodness, the scrapes and the stories that are told in this podcast are absolutely hilarious. It is brilliant fun and is highly, highly recommended. And for music fans everywhere, Paul Ryder, the legendary bass player of Manchester Legends Happy Mondays, who sadly passed away in July 2022. Well, he has a brand new series coming out, available as a podcast or on video called The Paul Ryder Tapes, Sex, Drugs, Happy Mondays and Me. You see, in the months leading up to his death, he sat down with me and told his whole life story in absolute depth revealing lots of secrets about Happy Mondays and he also talks about his own drug addiction, his own struggles with mental health and there are lots of really funny and special anecdotes and cool guests such as Paul Oakenfold, Peter Hook, Clint Boone and many many other big names from the music world. So that's the Paul Ryder tapes coming soon. Please check that one out as well. So I paid for the liquor, and then they told me which way. I just walked around, because she didn't go too far. She was just mm-hmm. in the, on some stairs, like, behind the building. So 
by this time she's blasted. So I had to walk her to the house and then we get halfway and she's slugging. She's not trying to walk. So she just lays on me, like, like flops on me. And uh, I pick her up, put her in the house, wake up in the morning. And she did the exact same thing in the morning. She went to that liquor store and stole two more bottles of wine and went exact to the same spot that she was sitting in. And she was drinking wine, sitting right there. And this happened every day, every day. So when the liquor, when I started going to the liquor store and I told him, okay, enough is enough. This lady come here and you have to call the police or call me. I'm going to give you my number first and you might have to just call the police. Did you say I'm not paying for it anymore? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it was like days I was doing this. And mind you that, like, I have to work, so I go to work. And while my mom is drunk, I didn't let her just be in and out of my apartment. I just couldn't do that because she wasn't in the right state of mind. Um, so where did she go when you were working? Um, she would uh, she would just be outside. like Because yeah. she, she really didn't even want to be in the house. No. Yeah. yeah. So when I seen that she was being this ruly outside my apartment screaming and yelling at people and cussing people out. So I was like, okay, I have to give her a key. So I gave her a key. So now she has access in and out while I'm working. So now she has a key. What she does is, and she can't go to the liquor store no more. So now she's going to Ralph. Now she's really stealing. She has a bag. Now she's going into Ralph and just taking liquor. Now it's liquor and wines. And she's going to my house and she's just drunk in my house. And real confrontational. Like, very confrontational in my house. So, um, as days go on, every day she started bringing shit in my house. And I'm talking about, like, stuff from trash cans. Like, she's starting to redecorate my apartment with shit from the trash cans outside. Like, what kind of thing? Um, any kind of valuables that somebody's throwing in the trash can. It was, like, a little broken dresser in there. It was, uh, it was pots for plants. And she'll go pick the plants off the trees and put them in the pots in it. In, in the house and my friend it was, and there was like a lot of bags with shit just like it was just weird it was weird and then I started feeling like okay my living room looks like a homeless encampment right yeah so that's when the rules came mm-hmm. what were the rules the rules was for, for one get this shit out of my house <laughs> that was the first rule don't bring nothing back in my house yeah like, don't bring anything in here. Anything that you need, let's go to the store and I will buy. Yeah. Don't cook, because she was she would just cook and let shit burn. And then the rules just started getting more serious. Like, you know, I couldn't stop her from drinking and smoking her cigarettes. And, you know, I did. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I felt like I would be a hypocrite. You know what I'm saying, too? Mm-hmm. I drank and smoked cigarettes. So it was just like, okay. I was trying to do it at modern So then what I would do is she always have liquor in the house. I'm like, how the fuck did you get this liquor? Mm -hmm. So I started doing it is when she'll be drunk and kind of fall asleep, I'll pour half of the liquor out and start putting water in it. Yeah. And for damn sure, she knew what I was doing. So she felt like I was sabotaging her life. So then it was like breaking bottles in my house. and Uh It was just uh, chaos. It was total chaos. So how long did you put up with this for? About a year. A year? A year. Wow, yeah. I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah, about a year. A year of uh-huh. that. Uh-huh. And how did it come to an end? She beat my manager in the head with a Bible. Okay, let me tell you the story. As <laughs> <laughs> <She> you <did. laughs> Okay, uh, one day she lost the key or couldn't get in my apartment, couldn't realize what my what the door was. 
So she was banging on each door on the, I lived on the third floor. So she banged on each door on the third floor. My manager lived on the third floor all the way at the end. So he's hearing it and people are coming out like, who is this homeless lady? You know what I'm saying? Some people seen her, but some people didn't know where she was at. I used to try to hide a little fact that my mom was homeless in this building because she used to start a lot of shit outside. So sometimes we'd take the stairs or go through the back or, you know what I'm saying? So um, I get a phone call from the manager. So I hurry up and rush over there and I'm in the hallway and they're arguing. And right when I walk into the hallway, she felt like I had her back. Like, you know what I'm saying? My son is here. I got backup. But she don't know that she's talking to the manager. And it, but he's telling her that she's the manager. So she yeah. was totally out of whack at this point. Yeah. So right when I get there, she starts getting like a little bit more rowdy with the manager. Mm-hmm. She goes in her purse, literally pulls out a Bible and then hits the man in the head with her Bible. And I step in between. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? And she was like, I'm going to beat him with the word of God. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so I had to grab her, put her in the apartment. And we had a big old argument. She was like, I'm just going to leave. The, like, She was just like, I'm leaving. And I'm like, where are you going? Like, You know what I'm saying? So... She just packed shit and we had a little push and match and I'm trying to pull her in the apartment. It was just like no getting to her. And she stormed off and left. How did you cope with that for a year? How did you cope with the chaos and the toxicity of, of that situation? That shit was hard. Yeah. That shit was hard because she used to do things and then it just wasn't easy for me to deal with. Uh, certain parts where she was out of it, she thought I was my dad. Yeah, so it was, like, weird shit going on. And then, like, like it was weird. It was the weirdest situation I could ever be in in my life. That must have really taken a toll on you, stress-wise. Yeah, that did. Yeah, that and did. Did you get depressed? Like, how did you... No, not depressed. Um, just that's when I started just being upset. Where did you see it headed? Like, you obviously didn't see any improvement in her. Where did you think it was going to go? thought we was going to end up getting her help. And I thought that we all was going to team up together and help my mom. But when she was comfortable with me, everybody else was kind of comfortable with the situation. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So one day you had a big row and she packed her stuff and she said, I'm leaving and I'm going. Mm-hmm. And you, you watched her walk away? Yes. And yes. how did you feel at that moment? I was so mad. I was, I was kind of glad wow. that, that she was gone. Yeah. Yeah. And then later that night, how did you feel when you were yeah. I was worried where she was at because it was nighttime now. Mm. So what did you do next? Next, I went around and looked for her. I did. I looked for her. My brother came. My sister came too. Yeah, we all... Did, we they, all... did they understand the situation? They weren't blaming you? No, they understood. They couldn't even deal with her for a couple of weeks. So mm. shit, hell yeah, they understood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We looked, we, we looked for her. My sister was in the car. I was walking around. My brother came out a couple of times. We did that for a couple of days. Mm. Yeah. And you didn't find her? No, we didn't find her. We found her one other time. We found her one time after that. And um, that's when we tried to actually get her some help. So we held her. We tried to do, what is it called? Sex. We tried to do intervention. Yeah. Yeah. We tried to do an intervention. Mm-hmm. So me, my sister, my brother had my mom in the house and we were sitting there like we was all serious, you know what I'm saying? So we really tried. She did not like that. Yeah. Our idea was to try to do an intervention. If she couldn't cope, call the police. Mm-hmm. We had to call the police. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We had to call the police. 
And that was that was hurtful for me. They was okay with it, but that part was hurtful for me because I never wanted to call the police on my mom. Like, what did you say to the police? Why were you calling the police? That she needs help. We have a fifty-one fifty. We uh, have to see. It. We have to. We wanted to get her evaluated and get some medicine right. instead of that liquor. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it was. Mm-hmm. We wanted her to calm down because it was getting erratic. Mm-hmm. And she treats us all differently. So her uh, her mad like her being mad is different with each child. So she'll outrage over my brother. She'll yell at my sister and she'll try to attack me. Wow. Yeah, her None outra- of those three. <laughs> yeah, her <laughs> outrage is different, like very different. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So um, we got her to go to a psych ward and put her in a 72-hour hold. Mm-hmm. And then when we got to the hospital, we all walked in, but I'm the one that went in there to go see her first. And she was fucking upset. Like she was like she was up, she was screaming, she was upset that she was in that place, and she was like, "You don't ever do no shit like that to your mom." It was just like it was serious. Yeah, that's when I felt hurt. I was like, "Fuck!" I really called the police on my mom. But you were doing it for her benefit. Yeah, but it was still, you know. Do you regret still... that now? Yeah. You do? Yeah, because she knew how to play them people. She got out in 72 hours and oh. came back and was hot. Like, she came back with the, with the fire of God. Like, <laughs> she knew how to play people. She act like she's not crazy. She knew, like, she knew what she was doing. So, so what happened? It just went back to how it had been before. It was worse because then they left her with me. Right. So now she's like, okay, you called the police on me. So it was a standoff every day. And then it got it got bad. It got worse. In my How apartment. much longer did she stay? Oh, uh, for that time it was only like about two weeks. At and my then house. what? And then she- then she finally left. So within them two weeks, she'll go to my barbershop. She'll try like she found out where I was working at because I didn't want her to know where I worked at because I knew something. I knew mm-hmm. something. And then uh, she found out. She followed me one day. Found me found me going to the barbershop. Mm-hmm. Um, so she'll go to the barbershop, bang on the doors, come inside, just uh, tear shit off the counters. Um, she'll scream at me some nights. She'll sleep in front of the barbershop and then sleep in front of the door all day like this. Is, and she'll tell people this is my fucking son shop. So people have to walk over. And it was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she wasn't showering. She wasn't smelling good. She had bags with her. You know what I'm saying? It was just, it was awful. So we had a real heated argument in front of my barbershop one day. And once again, she was just like, I'm leaving. And I couldn't do nothing. And she actually left. That was the day she really left. Mm-hmm. She left. And how long was it uh, before you decided that you were going to look for her that time? A couple months, I would okay. say. Okay, so you had a period of a couple of months of being calm. But I guess in the back of your mind, you were still worrying about how she was doing. Yes. But she didn't pop back into your life that for those two months. Yeah. At this point, I thought she was gone. I thought, it was, like, she was really, I thought she was gone, gone. Gone as in? Gone, like I wasn't going to see her. As in passed away? Or? No. Just living the life of the homeless. It's a big homeless community here. Yeah. Very, very big. Mm-hmm. And once you get in deep, like, you, it's hard to find people. So I thought that she was in deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So one day you went to a park. Tell me about that. So yeah, one day uh, I went to a went to the neighborhood park. It's a park that I usually go to, and um, I was walking, seeing a homeless man on the bench. And I don't know what was in me. I just came and approached him. I don't know what was in me. I just went and approached him, 
And then we just started talking. It was just like an automatic talk. And we just started conversating. And one of the questions I asked him was, um, how did you become homeless? And his story was like really intrigued with me, like how it began. It was really intrigued. So I was like, you want a beer? He was like, yeah. So I'm thinking in my mind, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's kind of like my mom. Like, you know, it was a stimulant, but it was like, okay, you're homeless. You want a beer, some cigarettes or something? So I went and got a beer and some cigarettes and went back to go find the man so I can actually get the story. And it took me a little time because I went and got my camera and I'm right in the same area as my barbershop. So I hurry up and went and got my camera and went and talked to the, went and talked to the guy and he wasn't there. You got your camera because you were thinking, oh, I'm going to film him telling his story. Yeah, I was always had a camera with me. So this was really interesting. I was like, OK, this is yeah. something that somebody needs to hear. Like mm -hmm. somebody needs to see this and hear this. Mm -hmm. But when you went back, he wasn't there anymore. Yeah, when I went back, he wasn't there. And so what did you do? So what I did was I drank his beer <laughs> and then I just got on the train. Um, it's a train that stops in Hollywood and it's only one stop. So I was already just walking around, kind of figuring myself out and just kind of, I don't know, I'd say I kind of like in the days. So got on the train and I went to um, Hollywood, walked around Hollywood and just was looking at the different homeless people and was like, okay, I'm about to start giving these stories to people. And I did kind of look and see if my mom was in Hollywood, you know, just looking around a little bit, just to kind of see, you know what I'm saying? Just see if I can see her. Were you looking for your mom at this point? Is this why you were you wanted to dive into this project? It was both, like for sure. Like my mom was homeless and she was in the streets and I know Hollywood wasn't far. So that's the first bus stop. Mm -hmm. I mean, first train stop. So I'm like, yeah, I'm looking for my mom, but I'm like, okay. I wanted to get a better understanding of some of these people too. Mm -hmm. So your whole life took a, a real left turn at that point, didn't it? Like the decision you made that day, you had no idea at the time, but it was going to seriously impact the trajectory of the rest of your life. Yes. So let's come back in the next episode and explain how dramatic that was. Yes. Thank yes. you. Please visit our website at wheremamaapp.com or soulbearsessions.com where you'll find links to all of our socials as well as information about resources that might be useful to you if some of the things that we've talked about today have resonated with you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we'd really appreciate a review and please tell your friends about the series and help spread the message that no matter how grim a situation may seem, there are others who have gone through something similar and have made it through. Thank you so much for listening. It really, really means the world to us and we look forward to having you with us again next time. Have a great day and thank you. This series was brought to you by Glistening Productions. It was produced by Angela Smith. Associate producer was Sarah Walters. Editing was by Terence Holloway and Richard Hayward. Cameras by Richard Venti. Sound recording was by Marty Black. And the executive producers are Angela Smith and M. Jacoby. Glistening Productions.